In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents the Betches Brides podcast, a show for the wedding obsessed and the brides who are stressed, because after all, it's only one day of your life. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Betches Brides. I am your host, Samantha Bush, and today we have back on our favorite clinical psychologist, Dr. Naomi Bernstein. We had Dr. Naomi back on the podcast in May to talk about the post-wedding blues and how it affects couples after their big day. But for this episode, I want to kind of go in depth on how couples can set themselves up for some long-term success. So welcome back, Dr. Naomi. Thank you so much for having me. I've missed the Betches Brides. I love your audience. I'm so happy to be here. And premarital stuff is super important. So I'm glad we're going to talk about that. I can't wait. I find like relationship advice, experts, doctor, like I'm so ready to get into it. So thank you so much for coming on. No problem. My pleasure. So let's just kind of start at the very beginning. How early should couples start pre-marriage counseling? I mean, I actually see many couples before even engagement. So Mm -hmm. some couples can come in figuring out like do they want to get engaged. Is this heading in a direction? Are the problems, if they're experiencing problems, are they workable and can they Mm -hmm. head towards marriage? Um, So I, I don't think there's any time that's too early. I've even had people come in and they're like, we've only been dating three months, but like we really, really love each other and we're super passionate about this, but something, there's an issue that seems difficult. And I, Mm I, I personally, don't feel like a lot of people be like, well, if you're having problems at three months, like this isn't going to work, but sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just, we need to talk through it and why not grow together and why Mm -hmm. not learn how to talk through this together instead of just giving up because it's early in the relationship. So I don't ever think that it's too early to work on your communication because even if it's not with that person, you could use those skills with the next person. Right. And not everybody has the tools to communicate how they're feeling, really know how they're feeling even, like really pin down. So I think, like you said, I don't think it's too early to start therapy with your partner. Yeah. How does someone bring up the idea of like couples therapy to their partner? You know, I think one way that's easy that sometimes, you know, I recommend to people is just to say, hey, I was listening to this podcast they were talking mm-hmm. about how beneficial this could be. So like bringing it from an external thing, oh, I heard this or I spoke to this friend and she and so-and-so are doing mm-hmm. it and I think it could be really beneficial to set us up. So I think you could just grab at something that mm-hmm. you heard during your day and bring it up conversationally like that. Or obviously the alternative is if you're arguing a bunch and you feel like you're getting stuck, mm-hmm. um, to be able to say, hey, you know what? I love you. I don't want to do damage here. I, I, you know, I'd love to get some help before we 
you know, do any damage to the relationship by arguing in a way that creates wounds for one another. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's when you, if you start to hurt each other during arguments, that's when you know it's time to get some help. Yeah, that's very, very important. And I kind of want to go through some topics that you'll probably find during premarital counseling um, with questions submitted to you by our listeners. I kind of told them that we were having a relationship expert on and to like just give me whatever questions they had. So first, we got a lot of questions surrounding communication, and I want to just kind of start there. So what is the number one misconception couples have when it comes to communication? One that comes to mind, and I think this is it's interesting, is I think sometimes there is this feeling that you need to communicate about everything the mm-hmm. second you feel a feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's this fine line between like, yes, communication is important. We don't we shouldn't hold back. We need to, you know, when people say like communication is the number one thing, that doesn't mean no holds barred, lay it all out, say everything that's on your mind kind of communication. It means healthy, intentional, well thought out communication where you have a calm body, you've given yourself time to sort of, you know, process everything on your own first before you bring it to your partner. So I think one big misconception is that Good communication means like spewing all of your feelings all the time whenever you feel the urge to. Because honestly, I mean, if I were to tell everybody or my partner every thought I had the moment I had it, like that would be like unhinged. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you got to kind of dial it back. Right. Um, And like you said, kind of come in with like a, you know, calm, calmer approach like you kind of touched on it already, like the most effective way to communicate when you're both upset is obviously, like you said, to kind of come in with like a calm body, like you've taken some time, you know, got your thoughts together. Mm -hmm. So do you think that that's the most effective way? Yeah, I definitely think number one would be trying to have calm body before you communicate because it's just biology. You can't Mm -hmm. really listen. Your executive functioning, which is like the part of your brain that processes information, understands, makes logical decisions, that part's like offline when you are activated and angry, you know, ready to fight or flight. So Mm -hmm. you really do have to have a calm body before you can listen and have a conversation that's going to be a two-way conversation versus like, I'm here to just spew how I feel and I'm not really interested in listening. So 100%, the other piece that I think is important is to realize that if your partner's angry or upset or really emotional about something, there's something deeper to that. There's a fear under that. There's a vulnerability under that. There's, they're not trying to hurt you. They're just having a hard time tolerating something that probably is bigger than whatever the issue at hand is, you know, whether it's, do we, you know, do we have COVID testing at the wedding or kids or what, you know, mm-hmm. it's not really about that. There's usually something bigger. So if you can focus on like, I almost tell people like when you're in an argument and your partner's upset, like think about what they look like when they're a little child, you know, like think about the little boy or the little girl mm-hmm. that's like that wounded child. And like, how would you talk to that child if the child was coming to you and saying, 
you know, whatever they need or want, um, you'd be a lot more tender. So that sometimes is a good visualization when you're in yeah. that mode, you know? Yeah, no, that's a great, that's great advice. Cause I always hear that too in therapy, like talk to yourself, like you're talking to like yourself as a kid. Mm-hmm. So to use that tool and kind of use that with your partner, I think is so important. So there was a lot, and I mean, a lot of questions about finances when it comes to, you know, getting married. Do you merge them? Do you have separate accounts? Like, what do you do? So when should a couple start talking about finances? I usually think a good time is when you're moving in together, you know, Mm -hmm. so you're sharing resources, you're sharing space. So once you start to have these joint investments, whatever it is, even if you're just splitting the rent down the middle, mm-hmm. there's going to be, you know, it's going to play a factor in your, your lifestyles are going to start to come out like, Oh, they want to order sushi every night and you don't, you want to mm-hmm. order pizza and you know, who's paying for what. So I think those are, that's probably the most, you know, common time for these things to start to rear their head. Sometimes even beforehand, just in terms of like, we're going on vacation or anytime there's joint decision-making, Mm-hmm. on something that costs money, it's probably, even, even if it's not being spoken about, it's underlying. Right. Every, like you said, there's always kind of something under the surface there. The question from one of our listeners was, if your partner is super firm on, you know, keeping the bank accounts separate and you're very firm on keeping them shared once you get married, how do you navigate that? type of conversation if you're like very, very much on the opposite side. Mm -hmm. So my first instinct, if I, if I was working with a couple and this was their issue, I would try to tap into again, what's the fear? What's the fear of joining? What's the fear of not joining? Um, and have them talk about more of like the underlying issues. Like some people are afraid of joining because they're afraid of getting taken advantage of, or they're afraid of their partner's spending habits. And then that kind of comes out as Mm -hmm. opposed, you know, maybe they might not necessarily say, well, I don't, you buy all these bags and you want to do all these things. And I don't trust that you're going to spend in the same, you know, in the way that feels healthy to me. Mm -hmm. So that might come out there and then they can kind of address that or, you know, a partner that really is insistent on joining, maybe they feel like that's a gesture towards like oneness in the relationship, or maybe they feel that their partner's a little bit distant in some ways or not fully joining them and creating a life Mm -hmm. together. And that might come out in those conversations. So again, I would take your eyes off of like the actual issue of the bank accounts and see if you can figure out like that tender conversation, like a child comes to you and they say, I'm afraid to go to school. Well, it's not mm-hmm. just like, well, toughen up. You, I, I want you to go to school. I have to go to work, go to school. It's sort of like, well, what, what are you afraid why? of? What, why? Yeah. Yes. So I think if you can lean into your partner when they're telling you what, that this thing is so important to them and really help them as a friend to, you know, that friend role to figure out like, what's scary about this to you? Like, I want to know what, what your fears are. And maybe that'll open up a little bit of a deeper conversation that you might not be having. Yeah. No, that's I am someone who's not a very good communicator. Like I just 
don't ever communicate. Mm-hmm. I try. Um, it takes me a lot. I've been something I'm working on very actively. Um, so just and I have like weird things about money. So ha- like imagining having these conversations is a little stressful. Um, how do you? How would you give like someone like me advice on like how to like how to even approach that conversation? Like these are things I'm like, oh yeah, like I know that, or oh I'm gonna do this, but how do I really do do it? Right. So you're saying like you'll think I need to talk about this with my partner, yeah. and then you just are in perpetual avoidance of oh always yeah actually having the conversation. Yeah, yeah that is the hardest part, right? It's just ripping mm-hmm. off the band aid. And that's why I think sometimes bringing something up like, you know, I was listening to this podcast today and they talked about that. It's almost like a way to just like, because every moment is going to feel like you're bringing it up out of nowhere, right? you know, and that's what <laughs> yeah. feels awkward. Like yes. you're sitting at dinner and you're like, so I've been thinking about our finances and it just feels kind of like, I don't know, almost like antagonistic or scary right. or like, yeah. So I think if I... I feel like that's a great way to do it is just bring it up and like use a third party, you know, to kind mm-hmm. of bring it up. Oh, my friend so-and-so was telling me that, you know, whatever about money and this and that. Um, so I think every conversation is out of the blue unless you just, and especially if it's something you've been thinking about for like six months. Um, yeah. But to him, it feels like it's probably coming out of the from blue. nowhere. Yeah, from yeah. nowhere. And that's the part that makes it feel awkward and so easy to avoid cuz like I'm going to wait for the right time. Which never there happens. There's no right time. Yes. Yeah, that never happens. Cuz he'll never, you know, or your partner or whoever might not like ever bring that up mm-hmm. and then you're just kind of left like, okay, you're right. Like there's really no great time to bring it up if you're someone that's an avoidant communicator mm-hmm. such as myself. Mm-hmm. Um And another thing is I was, you know, reading a lot of people's responses and a lot of them were saying like they have such a hard time with communicating without crying. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Even if they're not like sad or something, they just cry. Right. And that's also me. I just, no matter what, I just start crying. Yes. That's super common. I hear that a lot. And it it makes it, yes, for sure. And it makes it really easy to like avoid the conversation because you Mm -hmm. don't. And sometimes you're like, I don't want this to feel like it's like life ending or for him to think that like I'm dying right. or something, you know? I know. Especially if you're with someone that's or like her. maybe not a crier or her, right. right? Like if you're just with someone that's just kind of, and then they see you crying every time you bring something up. Like, right. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, I do think yeah. some of that comes, yes, I think some people just are that, but that's the person mm. that they're marrying and they, right. you know, mm. they're going to either find it endearing or sweet or not and deal with it. But Mm -hmm. I think it's important that they know that that's part of it. And I do think that holding it in and not expressing it. And like you said, if you're avoidant of this communication, it's all building up in there, which then leads to like, once you open an explosion, an explosion, like I know people, you'll make the analogy, like when you're at summer camp, and you miss your parents. And then like, the you know, you're fine, you're fine, you're kind of like holding it together. And then you hear them on the phone, and you're like, what? Like just a wreck, you know, Um, like once you just open that little floodgate, um, everything comes out. So I think it's probably a product of avoidance, but it's, you need to show them that that's part of who you are. And I think it will get better as you open the valve bit by bit, you know. 
how often should you be communicating about like your feelings? Because you said earlier, you know, you don't want to bring up every single little feeling that you have all the time. Um, but so to avoid kind of conversations and then you explode, how often then should you bring them up so you don't do that? Yeah, I think anytime something is taking up space in your mind, that's that's what emotional intimacy is, right? Mm-hmm. It's so again, it's not it's not that you can't share your thoughts and feelings on a daily basis with your partner, but when it if it's involving something, you know, if you're if it's involving something that they've done wrong or if it's involving something that you're upset with them about, those are the ones that people will only have a certain tolerance for, you know, like if every day you're coming at them with something that's something not feeling right about their, your relationship. That's when I think you have to kind of sit on it, give it maybe 24 hours. If you're still thinking about it, you know, kind of come to a place where you can approach it with intention. What am I looking to get out of this conversation? How can I be tender with his or her perspective on the other side of this conversation? Um, I think you can do that. I would, you know, if it's about your own stuff and your own emotions Mm -hmm. and your own life, I think you can communicate that every day if that's what you're Mm -hmm. feeling. But if it's about difficulty in the relationship and an issue that you're having, I do think sometimes it's good to say, okay, let me just sit on this for a day or Mm -hmm. two. And if it's still bothering me, then I can bring it up because it might be just you're in a mood or it's just a pile on of something else. And then by the time you come around to it, you're like, you know what? I don't really need to, there's nothing he's going to say here. That's going to make this different, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes it can just be a projection of like your own stuff. Like, like you said, if you have something going on and you're really stressed and then you start, you know, mag, you know, zoning in on something that they're doing, just wait a day or two Mm -hmm. and it probably will pass. Mm -hmm. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well... 
Good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I want to talk to you about relationship roles. So what are your opinion of relationship roles? In terms of like household tasks and that type of thing? Yeah, like when it comes – because I see a lot that, you know, women tend to take in like heterosexual relationships. um, For example, they tend to take on a lot of like the household stuff and the emotional stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just a lot. So how can – someone kind of set their relationship up in the beginning so that doesn't pile on and then it's hard to kind of get out of that totally cycle for sure i do think it is important because people will take the path of least resistance mostly you know so if if one person is just taking on all of whatever it is x y or z and doesn't express that they feel overwhelmed or they feel like they'd like some help or whatever it is, then it does start to become routine and it's a little bit harder to get out of it. I mean, I even remember we, we joke about it now and this was probably, you know, 15, 16 years ago, but I remember when I first moved in with my now husband and I was doing a lot of the stuff in the house, whatever it was like the, just cleaning and sweeping and dishes and whatever. And then I remember Mm -hmm. getting into his car and he had just gotten a car wash and he had just gotten a car wash like the week before and the week before that. And I was like, you do a really, really good job of keeping your car clean. Like it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's immaculate. But our apartment, you don't seem to really show that much interest. Um, So I was getting resentful when I saw that Mm -hmm. he was like constantly, his car was spick and span. And so I remember bringing it up to him and he was great. He was just like, you know what? You're right. Like I just needed, I didn't, I wasn't even aware that this, these roles, we were falling into these roles Mm -hmm. where you were doing this. And this was so early on. And honestly, since then he's been like a 50, 50 partner in it. So sometimes I think again, like maybe someone like you would just avoid that conversation (laughs) Yeah. Not to get into Until it. Until I explode. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it becomes like this tense thing and then he's mm-hmm. doing it because he doesn't want you to get mad and maybe he's doing right. it resentful. So I think mm-hmm. if you can calmly, and I don't remember exactly how I brought it up, but I definitely brought up like, oh, wow, your car's pretty clean, but these dishes have been sitting in the sink for, you know, 24 hours. So yeah. um, I think sometimes people just aren't aware in the beginning and you have to kind of say, Hey, look, this is something that's important to me. I don't want to feel overwhelmed. I'll have more room mm-hmm. for a lot of other things. And you may have to sit down, you know, I've had couples that, and this is like once you're deeper in, like, and you know, been living together for quite some time that will write down like all of their stuff that they do, not in like a tip for tap, but just in a way of like, I want you to see everything that I'm doing for this house. And I want to see everything that, cause there might be stuff that your partner's doing that he or she is doing that you don't even notice mm-hmm. that they're doing because you don't, you're kind of oblivious. Like, Oh, that 
that thing just got done, like that thing was broken and now it's fixed and you don't even realize that they did it or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I think it is sometimes helpful to write down all the stuff you're doing. And then it's actually good, you know, jumping off point to say, you know what, I could use a little help with this one and this one. And then they Mm -hmm. can say, you know, I could use a little help with this one and this one. So almost like treating it as you would a work, you know, to-do list where you're kind Mm -hmm. of like, okay, here's what we both have to do. Here's our team. Let's divide and conquer. Um, And just bringing it all out onto the table is helpful. Yeah. And like making it visual, like you said, Mm -hmm. is I think really, really helpful. And a lot of new couples kind of, they want to do everything together. So is there a balance between spending time together as well as apart, like regarding hobbies and vacations, friends? Yeah, of course. I think it's so. And people do lose themselves in relationships a lot and lose their friendships and they don't make time, Mm -hmm. which is tough because you need to have your friends and your family. And I think, again, that's an issue where if someone's getting upset when you say, Hey, I'm going to have a girl's night or, um, you know, whatever it is. I, I think that's a moment where you can lean in with tenderness and say like, what's going on? Like, why is this upsetting you? Is there something, are you lonely when I leave? Are you afraid that I'm going to be unfaithful when I leave? Are you, am I not giving you enough in the time that we're together? Like kind of Mm -hmm. leaning into figuring out why the person that's feeling anxious about separation is feeling anxious about separation. Um, Because I do think that it's super important that everybody has their own life and friends and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, nobody never feels good to be friends with someone that gets into a relationship and disappears off the face of the earth. Yeah. That's, we've all been there or been that person I feel like, and it's not fun. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, what I realized when you were saying, when you were just talking about that is that I feel like it's also helpful sometimes when you're asking yourself these, when you're going through that list of like, am I just not spending enough time with you while we're together, like quality time or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's also, I think important to check in with yourself. If you're starting to feel a certain way, like, and why am I really feeling the way that I'm feeling? Yes. Totally. I agree. And that's a great point. Like not just like what's going on underlying for your partner, but if you're feeling amped up about something or mm-hmm. anxious or angry or whatever it might be to stop and say like, usually like, what am I afraid of? Mm-hmm. What am I afraid of losing? What am I, you know, if it's a freedom thing or, you know, um, an abandonment thing or, you know, just kind of checking in with yourself. There's some, when you're getting worked up about something, there's usually some kind of fear. Mm-hmm. underlying. So I do think it's good to check in with yourself, sometimes even before you communicate with your partner, where you can come at the conversation and say, I know I gave you such a hard time when you, you know, you wanted to go golfing, you know, with your friends and I gave you a hard time about it. Honestly, I'm afraid of this. You know, I, I realized yeah. that I was really just scared of that. And maybe they can reassure you in that moment and say, you know, whatever it is, kind of soothe some of those fears. Yeah. A huge majority of our listeners, I mean, obviously it was just basic communication. Like, how do we talk about this? How do we, you know, just communicate Mm -hmm. like things like that. But a big part of what they were asking has a lot to do with like family dynamics and in-laws and navigating those. So how does someone navigate and 
manage having like overbearing in-laws. Oh, totally. This is huge. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I really do enjoy doing premarital counseling, like that time where you're planning a wedding and the mm. in-laws are getting involved and everyone has opinions. And I think it it's actually, it's funny because it feels like it would be such a hard time. Um, and I think that there are a lot of, there's like all this stuff that comes to the surface when you're involved, like comparing your families of origin and dealing with, you know, your parents are dealing with kind of giving over their son or daughter to another person. And they have a lot of feelings on that, which I don't think people think about because they're so wrapped up in their own relationship. Um, but they're all such beautiful opportunities to relax into the conflict and kind of be able to say, okay, here's a conflict. We can both kind of relax into this and explore each other within the context. Like it's almost giving, it's like a blessing of giving you this opportunity of, okay, you know, your mother is getting upset about this thing and you're taking her side or whatever the thing is, mm -hmm. um, to pause and kind of, it's bringing this opportunity to the surface for you to say, okay, for him, for him or her to say, okay, I'm afraid that I'm going to have distance from my mother. She's, she's sad or, um, she wants to be included. It just is a great way for you to kind of the family issues are always going to bring up the deeper stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Um, separating from your family fears of being like, um, I think a lot of people have fears of being, um, swallowed up by their partner's family. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's something that can be brought up during this time or, um, losing control over, um, your partner or feeling like they're choosing their family over you, I think is a big one. So mm -hmm. when these things come up, which are super common, I almost see them as beautiful little opportunities to deepen your connection with your partner and really kind of explore the softer, vulnerable pieces of what's there. I don't know if that makes sense to you. It does. I'm just curious, like how? Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like how do you, cause I think like the initial reaction, if like you have an overbearing mother-in-law is to be like, she's fucking crazy. She's driving me nuts. Mm -hmm. She's trying to take over my life. She's loves her son. Like she's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like those are the very common themes that we see a lot. So like, do you go through your partner to have him talk to her? Do you talk to her at all? Do you just talk to your partner? Like what, how does that work? Yeah. I think the first thing to do is to get on, to express yourself to your partner and get on the mm -hmm. same page with him or her regarding how you feel and what your, what you, like you just said before, what your fears are. I'm afraid that your mother is going to take over our lives, you know, um, I'm afraid that she doesn't, I, I feel like she doesn't respect me or, and I think again, leaning in with empathy for the mother might soften your partner a little bit. So if you can say, I know that it's probably really hard for her to kind of let you go and that she wants to feel like she's involved and mm -hmm. I want to make her feel better about that, but we have to set boundaries together as a couple. So I do think that that's really important. I don't necessarily think that it should be a conversation between the 
you know, the in-law and the mother directly. I think you should come at it as a unified front as a couple and kind of say Mm -hmm. like, these are our boundaries. But I do think maybe you could once those, you know, that conversation is set, or even if you did feel really comfortable and you wanted to have a conversation with your mother-in-law one-on-one to acknowledge how hard it is to kind of give up your, to see your relationship with your child changing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think it just that acknowledgement might make her feel seen and validated enough and feel like you care for her that she can let go a little and not bit. Be, and not be defensive. Right. I think if you were to come at it with like, this is how I'm feeling, you're doing this, like it's making me feel X, Y, Z, like she's going to, the mother-in-law father-in-law, whoever, mm-hmm. it will be defensive, I, right. I would assume. Right. I would be. <laughs> right. Except if you, you know, if you say just kind that you did such a great job right. raising this child that I've like chosen out of everybody in the world to marry this person and, you know, thank you so much for this and I want you to feel included, but these are the areas where I'm just feeling like we need to kind of make this decision on our own. And I know how hard it is that your relationship is changing and I mm-hmm. want to have a close relationship. Like, so just, again, if you wait till you're going to pop, it's not going to come out that way. So I think having the conversation first with your partner and not in like a, your mother's psycho, I can't take her yeah. anymore. Like uh, she's driving yeah. me crazy, <laughs> but just in a, like a, because then he's he or she's going to get defensive. Of- defensive and then may, maybe bring up stuff about your family. Yes. And then it's going to cause this big fight. Yes, yes. But I yeah. do think it is important that you guys can speak openly about your family's... Feelings, right. Like about, the, you know, like the your family's craziness or like yeah. issues or that it's, dysfunction. you know, yeah, dysfunction. You mm-hmm. don't, it shouldn't be a taboo topic where you can say, well, your mother did this and it was kind of wacky or crossed the boundary and like, yeah, my, mm-hmm. you know, but not in like a throwing it in your face kind of way, just right. sort of like a, let's bear this all down and be really honest about our families and what their strengths and weaknesses are. I don't, you, you don't want to be walking on eggshells around it, but you also right. don't want to be like name calling each other's families either yeah we don't need to do that that would just get really ugly I feel like yeah speaking of families when should the topic of having kids start coming up should that be something you have in the very beginning of your relationship or kind of when you get engaged I think it's personal I think if that's if Mm -hmm. that's something that's really important to you and you know a big deal where you're kind of like okay I would like to start trying by you know, this age or that year or whatever it is, I think you could say that on the, you know, while you're dating, like Mm -hmm. this is when, this is what my timeline is for when I'd like to have kids and make sure that that person's on the same page because it's better to find out, okay, you know, he's not interested in trying until he's, you know, in his forties and you don't want to wait that long. Like that Mm -hmm. might be a deal breaker. So you don't want to wait too long to have that conversation if it's something that you both feel really differently about. So I don't, I think it's something you can bring up if you feel strongly about it Mm -hmm. sooner than later and make sure that you're on the same page. What do you do? I mean, have you ever seen couples where one of them, like they go into it maybe wanting kids and then they get married and then a year later, one of them doesn't want them at all. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that? Yeah, that's really tough. That's like, I've really tough. I've seen you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like that could be relationship ending. 
if one person just changes their mind and decides they don't want kids after they're married. Um, that's huge. If it's a timeline issue, um, that's Mm -hmm. different. That's more workable. Again, what's the fear? And I do think the person that's not ready sort of has the precedence there because you don't want to push someone into doing it before they're ready. Um, Mm -hmm. and then again, back to this, like, you know, marital role thing, you end up doing everything because they're kind of like, well, I, I said I wasn't ready. So yeah. So like you handle it, you handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, obviously that's a, a big conversation and you could figure out what the fears are. I'm not saying like, oh, if one person says they're not ready, like they win and you never have <laughs> right. to talk about it again. So that's not what I'm trying to say. But I also don't think it's beneficial to push someone before they're ready, you know? Yeah. Especially for something as big as like having kids. For sure. That's a huge thing. And you want to make sure that you're with someone that can kind of handle the load that comes with that as well. Totally. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm curious, what do you think are the biggest red flags when it comes to a relationship, whether it be like about communication or like what are, you know, have you seen anything where it's like every almost every time you see a situation like this, the relationship is not going to work out? Do you ever see anything like that? I, it's hard to make a blanket statement in that mm-hmm. regard. But what I would say is that if someone gets angry and distant when you bring up your emotions or when you bring up difficult conversations and they... um refuse to lean in, that's really hard. And refusing therapy is also something that's difficult because then you're just putting a roadblock up to repairing. And it's sort of like, well, this is it. I hear a lot of people say, well, if we need therapy at this point, then like, you know, even if it's your mat, like, let's say you're married for a year, like, well, if we need Mm -hmm. therapy a year into our marriage, then like, this isn't going to work. It's kind of like, well, what choice? We're married. So yeah. What, you know, there's also such a negative even in 2023, which is crazy that I'm saying that. I'm so used to saying 2022. Right. Um, 2023, like, that's still saying, like, I want to go to therapy isn't as accepted for couples as it is, like, if I were to just want to go by myself. Right. And that's really interesting. It's a really great point. I'm glad you brought it up. It's sort of this idea that you're admitting that mm-hmm. there is a problem. And it's kind of like, every relationship has a problem 
mm-hmm. literally. There's no relationship that's so perfect that there's never an issue or you can't communicate a little bit better. So I do think that mm-hmm. it's scary. And this is why the wedding planning time is a great time to do it because you can take these issues that come up that are inevitably going to come up and say, mm-hmm. if we're having issues with this and there's something wrong with our relationship and like start mm-hmm. to get in your head and start to feel like, oh my God, maybe this isn't right. Or maybe we, you know, we shouldn't have done this. And yeah. Or you can take those issues and say, this is a beautiful opportunity to learn how to struggle together. This is a beautiful opportunity to learn what to do when things get hard and how to stick and how to stay and how to lean in and how to stay calm and not jump to what are we going to do about this? This isn't right. We yeah. made the wrong choice. Like, should we be getting engaged? Like, mm-hmm. Should we be getting married? Yeah. So I, I think it's a great question because a lot of people do feel like if there's problems, then it means mm-hmm. that you're with the wrong person. That's not the case. Yeah. And I mean, I think social media feeds that idea that like if your partner isn't this like romanticized version of what you see online, um, then you are not in the right relationship. Yes. And you shouldn't have any problems and your partner should just do everything that you expect them to and be flawless communicators. And it, it it's like, and if you feel yourself not being a good communicator, for example, like that doesn't mean that you're not with the right person. Totally. How do you like overcome that thought process and not let that kind of take over? Because I feel like there's so much comparing and contrasting when it comes to social media and seeing relationship things like, you know, TikToks or Instagram or. Yeah. And this comes to a lot of what I talk about on oversharing in terms of Mm -hmm. mind body and like calm body and realizing that life is going to have struggles. Your relationship is going to have struggles. Literally every single person is going to die at some point. Your parents are going to die. Your sibling, like there's mm-hmm. there's uncertainty everywhere. Bad things are going to happen. So that you need to be able to kind of, when those moments happen where there's a struggle, whatever it is, to recognize this struggle lives in my body and kind of turn off the mental piece of it in that moment, mm-hmm. that, that urge to say, what am I going to do about this? I need to mm-hmm. break up with this person. I need to... Um, and this was a bad choice. Like I shouldn't be getting married. Maybe we should push back the wedding. Maybe, you know, I should tell his mother this or what, you know, whatever it is (laughs) to pause and tell yourself just because my body is activated. I always say for me, it like lives in my stomach when I start to feel, um, some kind of discomfort or my emotions like live in my stomach. So when I start to feel that butterfly feeling like I'm very aware, okay, here it is. Do nothing. Mm-hmm. just kind of pause and watch it. And I turn my mind and I watch my stomach and I watch that sensation kind of come and then leave. And once it leaves, then it feels a little bit less urgent to need to say, oh, this isn't the right relationship or mm-hmm. to compare myself to somebody else to convince myself, like, why is this ha- you, Why is this happening? Is this the right thing? So just kind of allowing your emotions to live in your body before you jump into your mind and start comparing to other people or second guessing Mm -hmm. decisions or planning or that kind of thing. So that to me is the number one thing because life is struggle. 
There's always mm-hmm. going to be struggle. Every relationship is going to have, you know, moments of conflict and disconnection. So that doesn't mean you're not in the right relationship. It's easy to think to jump to that because then it lets you say, okay, here's something I can do. It's it's a it's a way to try to control the yes the feeling. Yeah. What can I do about this to make this feeling go away? Instead of mm-hmm. for your life, the best thing you could do is just realize, okay, this is just a feeling. I don't have to do anything about it. It's going to pass. And if there's something that I need to do about it, I'll figure it out once the feeling mm-hmm. has passed. Now mm-hmm. I'll be thinking more clearly and I can decide, okay, really, is this relationship ending? Is this something that's a deal breaker? Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's huge. And for people that feel like because their relationship isn't perfect or doesn't, nobody's talking about it too. I spoke about this, I think, I don't remember, but just the idea that it's kind of taboo to talk about your relationship struggles because Mm -hmm. it feels sort of disrespectful to your partner, which I understand. Mm -hmm. And then you also don't want people to then think like, oh, they're, you know, not good together or they're this or they're that. It's like, I mean, some of the greatest advice I've ever gotten is like when you don't know what to do, just stand still Mm -hmm. and just kind of like you said, just let that feeling kind of just wash away. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's very taboo to talk about issues that yeah. you are having. Especially when you're engaged. You just took engagement photos. You posted oh them God, on you're Instagram. You're supposed to be like the happiest time of your life. Everyone's like looking at you like, oh, my God, like, you know, so right. excited for you. And yes, you're sitting there like I'm fighting for my life. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like I'm doing so much. Yes, totally. And realizing that this other couple that seems so perfect, they're not talking about it either, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't want to talk shit about your partner and then you go into dinner with other couples and they know all the dirty details of your relationship. So realizing that, you know, it is kind of a lonely place sometimes because you don't want your family to think badly about your partner, your relationship. So sometimes it really feels like a a lonely struggle um, because you don't want to talk about badly about your partner or or talk about your problems. Um, So just know that Others are going through the same thing and also just not talking about it so they seem Mm -hmm. perfect. Right. Yeah. And speaking of feeling like you want everything to be perfect, like when it comes to like the sexual aspect of your relationship, I think there's a lot of pressure on like how often you should be having Mm -hmm. sex, you know, should you do it even if you feel like you don't want to, like there's a lot of like advice swirling around. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you... What are your thoughts on that? Like, what is like a quote unquote normal amount to have sex with your partner during the week? Like, what do you think? Right. I, you know, I, again, obviously it's, it's personal preference. And I think you and your partner have to be able to speak openly about, um, there are some couples where they're both perfectly content to have sex like once a month. And there are some partners that, you know, they are unhappy or they're unsatisfied if they're not having sex like four or five times a week. So it really is kind of like what your personal preference is and, and kind of Mm -hmm. sex is an area where you have to compromise sometimes with your partner. And I'm not saying I never advocate for having sex when you don't feel like it. And let's be clear. I was not advocating that. I just want to like make the listeners know. But, but I will say that what I do advocate for is like allowing for some 
touch and like the opportunity for that to turn into something sexual when you don't feel like it. So like, Mm -hmm. just because you don't feel like sex might not mean that you don't feel like a snuggle or even like a naked snuggle. Right. And then Mm -hmm. maybe if that doesn't end up leading you to be like, okay, you know what, actually I was super, you know, cause I think what happens is you're stressed out about your day or you're just physically not feeling good or you didn't mm-hmm. eat the right thing that day. And then you just turn it off in your mind. Um, so sometimes if you can get yourself in a place where you're just like, okay, I'm just going to relax here with this person. I'm going to allow like snuggles and touches and closeness Sometimes once your body can relax and you can get some of the pheromones and you can kind of turn off your mind from whatever was stressing you out, you might feel like, you know what, I kind of, you know, I feel like I'm in the mood now. So I don't, Mm -hmm. what I don't advocate for is just being like, I'm off. I mean, once in a while you could just be like, I had a bad day. I don't even want to be touched. Like I'm off and that's Mm -hmm. fine every now and then. But I would suggest opening the door for just like snuggles and touches and see what happens. And if you still don't feel it, you don't feel it and don't do it. Mm -hmm. But what I think sometimes happens is you just turn off and just you're like, I'm not even going to present myself the opportunity to potentially get turned on because it's so mental. If you can just Mm -hmm. quiet your mind and relax a little bit, turn off the stresses of the day. Stress is the number one libido killer. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's my take on that. Like, you know, not doing it when you don't feel like it, but not also just totally turning yourself off and, and being the other flip side of that is that your partner has to be willing to be in that position. And you can Mm -hmm. say to him or her, I'm down to snuggle. I'm down to like, kind of do maybe like a little massage or just like snuggle up. But like, I'm not saying that doesn't mean sex. Like, so putting that out mm-hmm. there so it doesn't end up being like a rejection thing mm-hmm. where they end up then feeling like taking that as a sign that, you know, because you're snuggling that you want, that you're willing to have sex and then he's, mm-hmm. he or she is getting disappointed by that. So I think being really honest, like I'm not really in the mood, but like, let's just snuggle and see where it goes. You know? Yeah. I think that's great advice. I mean, I, I'm someone that like, I need to like non-sexual touch like Mm -hmm. throughout the day Mm -hmm. like i like need a hug or like you know like an arm pat like (laughs) like a hell in my hand like well like i like need that to then do everything else later like to get my mind like in that headspace or else it's just probably not gonna happen yeah it feels like you know especially for me like i have three kids and i don't you know Mm -hmm. i'm assuming most of your listeners probably don't have kids yet but some probably do it's sort of like or even going from like work mode to sexy mode it's like (sighs) you need a little and we're all working from home and we're all in sweatpants and we all look like goblins Mm -hmm. and we're just not feeling it yes Yes. So sometimes you need that transition, you know, into, it can't be like, okay, like my work voice. And now I click off and all of a sudden he's standing there with that look in his eye and you're like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. Well, there there are those videos of these, like on TikTok, it will be like, my, my husband is like, wants to do it. And then it like pans to her and she's like literally in sweatpants. Her hair is like a mess. She's like, hasn't showered. She's like, what? Right. Like right. I'm not in that headspace. I'm not in that right headspace. Yes, it's no. it's a mental thing. So it's such a mental thing. Sometimes the snuggles and just the non-sexual touch can 
can get you be like a transition into that headspace. For sure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now it's time for Unpopular Opinions, sponsored by Generation Tux. Shopping for men's formal wear was always at the top of the unpopular list, but Generation Tux completely overhauled and improved every aspect of the men's fashion rental experience to make sure that they look and feel amazing. They believe that life's most special events should involve high quality, convenient, and affordable options for men's formal wear. And now let's get into our Unpopular Opinions. So what I did is I polled our followers on Betches Bride's Instagram and asked them, you know, what their unpopular opinions are when it comes to weddings, when it comes to decor, you know, just overall vibes, what are they sick of? And so many people said that signs, they were sick of neon signs, signage, Mm -hmm. bar menus, Like, why is there so many signs? (laughs) So I'm curious, like, what your thoughts are. Do you agree with them? Yeah, I for me, I'm like, I kind of agree. Like, especially especially expensive signs, like Mm -hmm. the neon. I don't know how much that stuff costs, but I'm kind of like, that seems like that would be the first thing to go if that were me. Yeah, because it's like we we are adults. I think most of us know like how to get to like where we need to be. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> totally agree. I think there's like way too much signage. Also, I thought this one was interesting. Someone said that people don't care about decor as much as you think that they do. Oh, interesting. I disagree. Yeah, I I I kind of think I disagree. I think people come in and they want like the vibe. I want to like a vibe. Yeah. Now, I don't look around and like assess, you know, the decor and like add it up in my head and think like, oh, they spent money or they didn't or, you know, this is empty over here. But like if I walk in and there's not really much going on, I, you know, I do notice it. It right. doesn't, it's not going to like make me dislike the bride and groom right, or whoever's right, getting right. married. I just, you know. You're going to notice it. Yeah, I'm going to notice it. Totally. I do think it it plays into the whole like fan, you know, like we just talked about the fantasy sort of like here's this couple and this uh, this is kind of me disagreeing, although I do agree. I agree. But I'm going to say the decor is like setting the tone for this perfect romance, like everything Mm -hmm. about this couple is, you know, so beautiful and perfect and the flowers and the dim lighting. And so I agree it. It's important because of that, because it does Mm -hmm. like give it the air of romance and Mm -hmm. perfection. But that's kind of like what the whole wedding sort of is, is, you know, it's like setting a scene for a romance. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. No, I totally agree with you. Your guests can wear whatever they want. Do you agree or disagree? I like it. I disagree. You disagree. I think it's fine. Nobody's going to come in sweats. No, but like, I mean, I've seen people who, you know, it's. I'm not saying black tie. I'm just talking like cocktail attire. People come in jeans. Right. I'd be like, what are you doing? I'd be like annoyed. <laughs> I, I would understand like 
Listen, it is what it is. I'm not going to kick you out, but right. I would be like, Uncle Terry, like, why right. are you in jeans? Right. Like, you're not taking this seriously. You put no effort in. I put so Zero. much effort in and you put none. But honestly, if you're asking me, I think it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Live your truth. <laughs> Am I going to get to hear what 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 the listeners think? That's what they think, that they can wear whatever they want. Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm just rude and think (laughs) no. (laughs) Okay. What are your thoughts on designated Instagram backdrops for guests? Like having like, you know, like the flower walls or like the neon sign with the ivy. Like, what do you think? I think it's a fun something to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's like sometimes at the wedding, if you're not big into dancing and like, what are you going to do? You can go take some pictures. It's like an activity. Mm -hmm. I think it's cute. Yeah. I think it's really cute. The listeners think it's cute. You know, I think maybe some people disagree. And maybe it's like a little too extra. But like, you're again, a wedding is extra. Like, right. oh, like, let's all remind ourselves, you're if you're getting married, it's a privilege no matter what. Yes. Like, if you're having a wedding, if you're listening to this podcast. Right. It's a privilege. Right. You, you're, you're putting effort into... Right. What you want to do. I think you could keep it simple. I don't think it needs to be like. Oh, yeah. You don't have to like go crazy. Even like a brick wall or something with like, I don't know, just something that's like a cute spot to take a nice picture. And everyone, they got all dressed up too to come to your wedding. So they kind of want some cute pictures of themselves. For sure. I'm going to a wedding this weekend and I'm like, I'm going to be taking cute pics. That's one of my New Year's resolutions. Take more pictures of myself. Totally. So. Because I was looking back on my photo album from last year, and I think there's three photos of me total. Oh, really? All right. Yeah, take yeah, my Yeah, I was pics. like, wow, I'm really not taking any photos. Right. Yeah. And you, you know, you get all dressed up and you go to this thing. I I, mm-hmm. I like the backdrops. I think it's a fun, like, little activity. I think they're cute. Yeah. And that's it for our Unpopular Opinions, sponsored by Generation Tux. Generation Tux takes the stress out of styling and managing your wedding party, which is definitely not an unpopular opinion here. Generation Tux specializes in online suit and tuxedo rentals with high-quality men's formal wear, rentals starting at $99, and award-winning customer service. And best of all, you get free round-trip shipping, virtual consultations with customer experience and stylists, and online tools to help you plan the perfect wedding. You can try Generation Tux for yourself by visiting generationtux.com, build your head-to-toe looks, get free swatches, a free home try-on, and manage your entire wedding party online. That's G-E-N-E-R-A-T-I-O-N-T-U-X.com. Well, this was amazing. I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. Awesome. Um, Tell everybody where they can listen to you and where they can find you. Sure. So I have a podcast with my sister Jordana, who's one of the Betches co-founders and the host of You Up. So we have a podcast Mm -hmm. called Oversharing, where we talk about all things interpersonal relationships, friends, family, parents, in-laws, coworkers, the whole nine. So um you can listen to that where uh, oversharing wherever you get your podcast and you can write in any questions you have to us also. And you can reach out to me at naomibernstein.com. I'm not taking on new patients, but I do have some groups if anyone's interested in joining that. I have some groups running that still have some space. So that's naomibernstein.com. And that's it. This was really fun. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much. And you guys, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And till death do us part. 
The Betches Brides podcast is produced by Samantha Bush, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Samantha Bush. Be sure to follow us at Betches Brides and send us your emails to brides at betches.com. Betches.